Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. So one of the finest pleasures of parenting is embarrassing our kiddos, right? (laughs) I take great pleasure in it. Something I do pretty consistently, which no longer embarrasses them because I do it so much and they've grown accustomed to expecting it from me, is whenever my kids are leaving or like a public place. I was out to dinner last night. They were leaving. Uh, We kind of closed the place down, the restaurant, and there was two large parties, my party, uh, our family, and then another big party. And when my adult kids were leaving, uh, you know, I'm screaming across the across the whole place. I love you. Make good choices. You know, because <laughs> isn't that really what we're all trying to do is to just make good choices, just trying to get it right. Um, sometimes it's not really like a black and white issue, though. And the right choice isn't always obvious. You know, sometimes it's a choice between like risk and uncertainty that we we just have to try to make the best choice we can. Like, for example, in dating, it sure does seem like a crapshoot there. I mean, you just never know until you know, you know, <laughs> do you ever really That's know true. someone? <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic is something I think we'll both be entertained by. It'll be humorous and leave our listeners with something to think about. Even if you're not single and considering the dating scene, in other words, um, we're going to discuss prep work that women should consider before entering the dating scene. And this kind of prep work is really adaptable for a lot of different major life decisions. We're just going to apply these techniques to dating today. We're going to frame this for dating. But for those of you that are blessed enough to not be in the muck and mire of dating in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, like me, stick around because, like I said, there's something here for everyone. It's interesting. I have, my husband and I both have a lot of single friends, just the people we've connected with. I have a couple girlfriends who've never married, and some are younger and some are older. I have a couple good friends who are widowed already, which to me, that's very young, but, but they are. Sadly. And then I have a couple who've gone through divorce. Several. Probably that's the biggest number of single friends that I have at this age, especially. And it's interesting to kind of watch their different journeys with this whole dating thing. Some of them have not chosen to date. Some of them have done a little bit, but they're very hesitant. And can't imagine why. We just have really one of our guy friends who's dated someone pretty long term. But other than that, I've seen a lot of just very short-lived relationships. Nothing's really sticking. Everybody's a little nervous about it. And it's just an interesting thing. And it makes me nervous. You know, I hope I've been married 25 years. I hope I can be married 25 more. You never know what's going to happen in the future. But I I have thought about the fact that do I really want to start over with someone? (laughs) Because it's a lot of work. But I'm also very relational. And it's like, do I want to be alone either? So I go back and forth because I can see that push and pull. Like, I don't really want to do all that work, but I also don't want to be alone. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard choice to think about. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're going to bring that element and that perspective into this conversation because uh, I think it's really important to be single and around married people, to remember all the different ranges of relationships to remember what we're doing and why you know it's and the irony is every all of my friends are married except for one (laughs) so in in my friend group everybody's married and I have one friend that's a widow and uh, her and I you know commiserate together 
about the oddities of trying to figure out what the rules of the game are at this phase. It's it's almost unnatural. It's bizarre. Um, and it's such a mess. You know, it's it's so messy because culturally speaking, whether you're in the church or outside the church, we're all in the same mess together and we're all trying to figure it out. And whether you have a faith-based background going into dating or not, I mean, it does change a, a lot compared to the hookup culture, but when you have a faith-based background going into it in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, there's still not a whole lot of wisdom out there about how to do this in a, a less icky way, a less, just a nicer way. Uh, I mean, like all your friends that you're talking about, the short terms, I mean, the probability of a date being the one, <laughs> it's pretty slim. So you don't yeah. really, you know... There's a couple different ways we'll talk about how you go into a date and what frame of mind. But there's a lot of pressure there when you're looking for the one. <laughs> 7.8 oh, billion yeah. people in this world and you're looking for the one. <laughs> That's a lot <laughs> of pressure. Um, and oh, let yeah. me just preference this. I am not a dating coach and I am not a dating expert, but I've learned a thing or two having been back in the game for about almost a year now, and I think I have a little bit of information, not quite the entire 411, but a little bit of 411 on some things that'll help eliminate a ton of mess. If, if, this is the big if, if you're willing to do the work. It's like, it, it's not about the other person. It's about us doing the work that we need to do on our end before we even download the app. And that's applicable to anything in life, is we all need to do our work, even in parenting, marriage. If I want somebody else to do something differently because they're bothering me, I need to do my work first. And it usually starts with me. That is the kind thing to do. And that's what we're going to talk mostly about today is the kind way to go about this because nobody likes rejection but it's part of it and nobody likes to get that rejection on text <laughs> there is kinder ways more dignified ways to treat one another when it just doesn't work out you know and like first I, you know i don't think everybody understands the dating app and how it works so to give a little bit of an idea of how most dating apps work in a and they all are pretty similar in fashion, where you see a picture of a person and you can read their profile. <clears throat> I do quote, air quotes on that one, profile, because that's like reading someone's resume. How honest is that, right? Um, and then you choose to swipe left or right based on whether you're interested or not interested. And then if you swipe in the direction of interested, then that person gets a notification and then they get to make the choice. Are they interested in you through you? All, all they have to go on is your picture and your profile, right? Um, so or resume. People, or resume, <laughs> that's right, your <laughs> curriculum vice. So both people have that opportunity uh, to preview one another before they decide if they want to move forward. Um, and, you know, before dating apps, there was this one particular platform that I was on quite often called PetFinder.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably easier. <laughs> you could look up a certain breed or a size or the age of a dog or cat that you wanted, and you'd get a whole full list of available pets with that criteria. Yeah, except for uh, I think that they were a lot more honest on their profile. I think that, that dogs and cats really do know who they are way better than people do. <laughs> Uh, but I think that in this day and age, the apps are the default. That's the go-to to meet people. It's easier than going out and being in a bar or a singles. And they used to have the speed dating. Do you remember the speed dating? Mm -hmm. Like I saw that on reality shows a couple of times. <laughs> that just seemed like torture to me. I, I don't think I could sign up for that one. Dating. No, but on the cover... Dating apps seem like they're pretty efficient. 
It's an efficient way to preview people. And, to, and the idea is that you can narrow down the dating pool. Like, you know, there's a lot of different people out there. There's a lot of different lifestyles. Everybody's kind of looking for a little something different. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of holes in the system. And um, I think that that's one of the things that we're going to expose a little bit today about the apps. Um, and we're I, I, gosh, you know what? As we're talking about this, I can think about probably 10 other ideas that would have to be like 10 separate episodes all about dating. <laughs> and really like one separate episode about what's wrong with the culture of having an app where you pick somebody out based on their own profile, their own assessment of themselves and whatever picture that they happen to get that looks really nice, which usually is like mm -hmm. 10 years old. <laughs> How many people really know themselves that well? That's a big thing. I mean, I think that's a life adventure. You know, that's one mm -hmm. of the things that got to be our goals is just to continually connect with ourselves and just know that's yeah. where we can be nice to one another. And we can all make ourselves look good, better Sometimes. than we are. But, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing, though. If you're not photogenic, I mean, I just think that there's a lot of really great people out there. The camera is not in love with you. And that's not mm -hmm. your best friend. It's not the best way to showcase yourself. A lot of people, it's through their animation and their personality. And so a lot of people get swiped. Nobody's interested because the camera is not their best friend. And that's the bad thing. There's a lot of great people out there that if we met them at, um, you know, a friend's party or a corporate event, we would probably not swipe uninterested on them, you know, that there would mm -hmm. be an interest. Yeah. But when you're reduced to a picture, not all of us can really find that perfect shadow and filter, you know. <laughs> no. Um, and then you have the apps that you pay for, like the higher priced membership ones that take into account like a lot of psychology and assessment, kind of like taking the Enneagram test. You know, it takes in a whole lot of information and data on you. And they use all that perfect data to try to match you with somebody. And it's usually based off your values and beliefs, which we talk about a lot, um, your desired characteristics in that other person, the lifestyle. And there's a whole bunch of other behavior markers that they try to take into consideration. Um, and as coaches, we really appreciate that approach to trying to figure somebody out. So that makes me think. I have talked to people and I've kind of, I've come out with four things that I think are important. I've told my kids and my single friends, but if I were dating someone and you're going to disagree on a lot because we're just different humans and we all have different ideas, but I do think there's four things that are pretty important and that would be your faith, your religion. I think that's something even if it's that you don't have any, but as long as you agree together on that, I think that's pretty important. And this maybe didn't used to be the case, but with the way the world is now, I think it's important to agree politically or have somewhat similar views because there's so much division in that now. It would be difficult, I think, to just, there'd be a lot of tension every two years. Right. Which is like, it seems like there's election all the time now, so mm -hmm. it never ends. Right. And then... um what was it? Oh, parenting, like whether or not you have kids and how you want to go about parenting is who's going to watch them. Are you going to send them to daycare? You know, kind of the just around that mm -hmm. parenting, raising children. And then and one thing I've seen hurt a lot of marriages. So I think this is important is just enjoying doing things together. <laughs> Genuinely, you need to have like, some common ground. Yeah, there needs to be um, stuff that you enjoy. There some doesn't have to be everything there's things my husband does and there's things I do that are separate but we also have things we like to do together and that's important because especially now that we're empty nesters it's like if we don't enjoy doing anything together that's going to be rough for you know we're not going to spend a lot of time together so we've really worked at trying to build some hobbies that we enjoy doing together but those are four things I've found that you know, you're going to have problems. You can get through stuff, but those things can really hurt and break up relationships. I think if they're one or more of those are out of place. 
And that's not the only thing. That I think those are great. I would like to add on there that I think your body temperatures needs to be similar too, because the whole, you know, temperature of the house and the temperature of the car, <laughs> that will break up a marriage too. <laughs> they have that one on the roommates for college. That's oh, one of that's the big funny. questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just need somebody that likes to be cold because I'm going to keep it cold. <laughs> so, okay. You know what? I'm going to come back to the one about kids too, because that brings up a whole thing because once you're in 30s, 40s, 50s, a lot of times that is now eliminated from the the criteria. Like, Right. That's maybe not as important now if you're not planning on having more children. But do you want to date someone that might have young children? Yes. Yes. You have to be. Yeah. There's a whole that's a whole upper, other episode. Like how to mm-hmm. date his kids, your kids. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) And I don't want to go into that too much right now because that is a whole, that should be a series of books. And there's not. (laughs) There's not a lot out there on this. The process of getting set up on a dating app is like actually a pretty good exercise of self-evaluation and a great indicator of the level of self-awareness that you actually have. Um, What I want to bring attention to in this episode are the things that I think should be done before you ever download the app, you know, and a couple of questions that usually comes up in, in post-divorce or late age, whatever, you know, even if you just went through a major breakup with a long-term relationship and it wasn't a marriage, it's still, you still have all the same dynamic there. Uh, How long should you stay single? And when do you know when you're ready to start dating? And there's actually a formula that I was told, and this is probably part, you know, arbitrary, but we do like formulas. Everybody likes the formula because it kind of helps you figure it out. What's the right way, right? So Celebrate Recovery has a formula. It is one year single for every four years married. And I'm not sure what data they use, scientific data they used to create that. It does seem a little arbitrary. Some of us need longer than four years, you know, uh, or one year per four years. Some of us need less, I guess. You know, I guess it's, I'm a slow processor. I needed all that and then some (laughs) Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But I I thought that was kind of a neat place to start. And I'd love to hear other people talk about whether that is too long or not long enough. Like I'd love to hear other people chime in on that. Um, but then when do you really know that you're ready to start dating? Like, I don't think that the desire to be with another human being is proof enough that you're ready. Like just being lonely doesn't really mean you're ready to jump into dating. Um, you know, but then also on the other side of that, I also know that there's no point on the timeline that we are perfectly ready. That's true as well. Right. (laughs) You can wait forever for that. Yeah. Yeah, And you could always like come up with things that, you know, another reason why not to put yourself out there. But when ready means like you've gotten to the place where you now know how to avoid all risk, that's not ready. That's denial. (laughs) Because with relationships, there will always be a risk factor because you just don't know, you know, that's why it's called putting yourself out there. It's not like buying a car. Well, actually it is, isn't it? (laughs) There's no guarantee. (laughs) And if it's a used car, you're guaranteed to have somebody else's problems go in on it. That's, that's probably a terrible analogy. If somebody's had a lemon (laughs) or two in their past. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, people come with baggage and it depends on what work they've done you know as you were talking about the timeline I thought I know some people who jumped into dating very quickly but I also know that their divorce process took a couple of years so is that counted in the time I don't know I think this goes back to the episode where we interviewed Gail and you asked her what she would say to her eight ten year old self right 18 year old a younger version of herself and it was Get to know who you are. And sometimes, and this is, I know, something you were talking about in your last episode, but especially going through the heartache and difficulty of a divorce, 
and then thinking about dating again, you do lose a little that, do you know who you are? <laughs> and trying to figure out who you are again, because I'm sure that's just a difficult time. And you're going to be a better date and partner for someone if you're confident in who you are and what you want, and you can bring that piece to the table. If you're looking for that person to fulfill whatever your husband or wife from previously didn't, that's going to be a red flag. That's just, you've got to know how, like for me, I would say, just in my own marriage struggles, it didn't end in divorce, but it got close for a time. I had to learn how to be happy, or my own happiness did not depend on my husband. <laughs> and yes. that was a message that I didn't know was in my head, but when you watch Cinderella and some of these movies, what do they say? They're going to live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And the man is going to make the woman happy. That's a big lie. <laughs> and if you were to say that to me, I'd be like, yeah, I know that's not true. But there is like that belief system in my. You want it somewhere. To be true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I did believe that. And I expected that. And I had to learn how to be happy apart from my husband. And when I did that, we actually got along a lot better. Mm hmm. Because it yeah. isn't his job to try to make me happy. That's an impossible job. That's a huge actually, burden to put on. For anybody. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, you're going to help others by helping yourself. And yeah. the more prepared you are um, by preparing yourself, that's, that is the kind way to go into this. You'll mm -hmm. reduce the amount of ickiness you bring into the dating realm <laughs> and just think if everyone did their part on this, it would be such a much less icky process. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, and a lot more long lasting relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And probably friendships. Cause a lot of times you can walk away with friendships that, mm -hmm. you know, of course you may not match on a romantic level, but there's a lot of really kind people out there that you can match on a lot of interests and that's good it's always good to have more friends that's one of the funny things I learned from my daughter is she's made a lot of friends through dating apps mm -hmm. and people that she wasn't even interested in dating she's just like I think this person looks really cool and I want to be their friend <laughs> and I was like really you get on there to make friends I'm so clueless about all of it but it's just funny to see and she's made some good friends that way. So you never know. I like the open-mindedness that she approached that. That's, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Well, okay. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Like the first question I would say that you have to really tackle in your own mindset work before you download the app. These are all things that I think would make the whole process so much better. What do you think and how do you feel about your ex? Like there is a level of ickiness that comes when you go on a date and every thing, every story is about a previous person. Like mm. I can't tell you how many people I've dated where every memory they have included their ex. There's not been enough time span between your divorce and this current date because you have zero life experience to draw from, to talk about stories from that don't include your ex. You have got to have some experience in life, some time span between your divorce and between that date that you can draw from that's interesting, that makes you a person that's ready for the next step in that process. But if you're still living in the past of your marriage, you are not ready to be on a date. So you really have to assess how do you feel about that ex and how do you think about them? I love the way you put that, that um, it's not just about moving on maybe mentally, but it's having some life experience apart from the marriage. That's interesting. That's mm -hmm. Part of that is going to be 
grieving and working through that loss. It's a loss. No matter how bad it was, it's a huge loss that needs to be worked through. But also, like, to have some other part of your life that's a little bit past that. I think I love the way that you framed that. And if you think of it as like divorce being a leveling, it's not a, it's not a remodel of your home. You just leveled your home and you're rebuilding. So if you think of that analogy, then you really have to have something, something there, a foundation of something to talk about that is not from the previous destroyed home. There's got to mm-hmm. be something more interesting to talk about. There's got to be more depth to you, more content to you. So you really do have to live a little bit as a single person. And in that process, you're going to find and connect with things that you love to do again. And yeah, that, that just builds you up as a person. So you, be, you come to the date much more interesting. Yeah, I love that. And then also when you are still fully hurt, anger, easily triggered, because of the egg or because of your experience those are those are not fun to deal with and you don't want to bring that to the table and hand it to your date because it's hard to hide that it is hard to hide that and I personally look for that when somebody is divorced and they go on a date with me if they can't use their ex's name without cringing that's a huge red flag and if you can't I, say the name, but you call that ex by a, a derogatory statement, huge red flag. Like, oh, that I, makes sense. No matter what the past ha- is with them, you have to make peace with yourself about them. It's not mm-hmm. about changing that person into something that is lovable. It's about making peace with yourself about them, about what happened, about what is now. And that's so much less icky. <laughs> it is totally uncomfortable when you bring that bad vibe. It's that mm-hmm. I'm still angry. I'm bitter. I'm not over it. And that sounds to me like you miss what you don't have. And I don't want to and- be playing with somebody that still misses what they don't have. Right. And there's so much headspace taken up by that other person. There's not enough room for somebody new. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's why it's super important that you do spend some time alone mm-hmm. before you start yeah. into another relationship. And that we just like tied in two of them. So that's like, how do you feel about your ex? And how often are you triggered to think about memories? Because you don't want to be constantly telling stories about your ex in these new days. <laughs> like, just don't. That's it. Put it on a rule book. Like, don't. There'll be a time when you can bring up memories, especially when there's kids involved. That's a whole lifetime. But you don't want to do that on the first, second, third, or fourth date. Like, let that be something that's revealed about your world when you know that this relationship might have something, that this person might have something, and you can go forward and really diving into who you are. And that's starting to reveal a little bit about your world. And it's, those are intimate memories. So you do want to hold off on those a little bit. Um, Yeah, I agree. The third question is, what are your feelings about the opposite sex? So assuming that our, most of our audience is women, I'm going to talk to women. What are your feelings as men, about men as a whole? If you find yourself making comments that are really derogatory against the entire male species you need to wait don't bring that Mm -hmm. nobody deserves that and i don't know how much more we can and we should we should beef up the men in our community the men in our church the men in our family so if we have an attitude that men are not worthy of dignity respect and love then we do not need to be putting ourselves out there as a potential mate for these people because you don't have the heart and mind to prop these men up that's not kind. And there are good men out there. I know I do have friends and I know women that think every man is bad. And I think our culture kind of talks too much about the men who aren't great role models, who aren't, don't treat other people well, but there are so many good ones. And I, that was the other thing we talked about. I'm coming back again to Gail's episode. 
you know, she wants to highlight the fathers and the men who are investing in the lives of their families or children. And there are a lot of them out there. They just don't get highlighted. No, it's and, it's so easy to focus on the negative, but there are mm-hmm. so many men that are getting it right. And if we if we highlight them and we bring more focus to them, then I think a lot of men would be inspired. A lot of men would rethink some of their decisions and the way that they mm-hmm. live because now we're setting a precedence of what is actually desirable and attractive when we talk yeah. about the men that are getting it right. Those are that's attractive. Mm-hmm. And if they're assuming everybody thinks they're bad anyway, then why try? It's, right. You, you know, it's very easy to fall into that trap of even as a child or some a spouse, you know, if you're always getting negative feedback, then why even try mm-hmm. to be positive? Yeah. It can just, you know, these messages sink in without us knowing it sometimes. We're so influenced. We're so influenced by our culture. We're so influenced by our songs and by the the shows that we watch. And like we brought that up in that episode with Gail. It's hard to find a sitcom or a movie that is kind to the character of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the father or husband isn't an idiot. Right. Dis- you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's fun to disrespect them. Mm-hmm. That's the comedy of it. You know, that's that's unnecessary. Like We need some really strong men to be the focal points of some of these shows. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. So really evaluate yeah. how you feel about men as a whole. And when you can really feel good about uh, talking up a man, that's a good sign that you're getting really ready. And that's a good sign that you have come a long way from the experience of a divorce or a massive breakup from the, from the past. Mm-hmm. And then the next one's going to be the big one. Um, once you get to that point, you really need to think about what do you think about yourself. And this is huge because if you don't really value yourself, you are not going to expect the person that you are going on a date with subconsciously, you're not going to expect them to either. And your standard is no. going to be very low. So your feelings about yourself is as important or more important than how you feel about the opposite sex. Really evaluate yeah. how you feel about yourself. Deal with that inner demon that tells you you're not enough and you're not, you're a failure. And you got to deal with that. Those are some things. And it's ongoing. I don't think that you're going to become a full master of not hearing that doubtful voice in your head. But I think you have to get to a point where you automatically value yourself so that when somebody is across the table from you and you get devalued, you are going to discern that real quick. And that that red flag will go up. You won't dismiss it. You won't justify it. It's going to you're going to feel that so fast. And this is part of like just really training your intuition. Yeah, that's so important because, and if you don't like you, why would somebody else like you? Exactly. You know, but we don't always, again, that's another sneaky thing that um, can creep up without us realizing it. Mm -hmm. But we do, we can't give somebody else, we can't love someone else or care for someone else more than we care for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't value, like you said, value yourself, care for yourself, like yourself, love yourself, you're not going to bring much to that other person because you can't give that to them until you give it to yourself first. And you're going to come face to face with this because this is the point where you have to make your profile and you start to realize, ah, I don't know about what to say. Or when you go to put something nice down, you feel like it's a lie. (laughs) When you go to try to sell yourself on your profile a little bit or show your personality a little bit, that's where the process of setting up your dating app really does kind of take you through the psychology of these questions that I'm posing. These need to actually be dealt with. And you can go through setting up your dating app like that and not make it public. You can just go through the exercises and this is where you're going to hit you're going to hit that face to face. Really what do you think about yourself? And if another thing that I would say is record yourself. Record yourself talking as though, you know, play out a scenario of a date. 
and record yourself and look at your body language. Are you slouching? Are you, you know, like really evaluate how you look across from a table? Talk about yourself. Are you comfortable in telling stories about yourself or experiences that you've had? Are you not just necessarily ones that are, you know, hard lessons learned or mistakes that you've made, but are you comfortable in saying, I feel good about myself because you're not going to say it like that, but when you record yourself, even if it's just audible and it's not video, but video is great because you can see your, your posture, body language speaks loudly. We all read body language, whether we know it consciously or not, we all read body language. And um, the way we hold ourselves is the first way that we communicate how we feel about ourselves, the way we hold our body up. But then when you hear yourself talk about yourself, especially when you're really alone and you can do it honestly, that is a great evaluation tool. And it feels really weird and awkward at first, but it is a great way to, to preview yourself first. And we, we know it's not fun. We don't like, <laughs> this is our first video that we're going to publish and we're anxious about it. And I can say I don't love hearing my voice even on this podcast, <laughs> but I'm getting better at it and getting used to it. <laughs> so it takes practice. It does. And you might never love it, but I love that idea of just because you can see if you're definitely like slouching and looking down and we, def we can have a posture of confidence and belief in ourselves, or one of just very... I don't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth. So why should you, <laughs> you know, and I've had to work on that. I mean, that's been a hard one for me to just, um, believe that my voice matters, my presence, what I have to say. I mean, that's part of that nine, um, Enneagram, but also just really learning to speak up and believe that what I have to say can be valuable. <laughs> that's been a hard one for me. And that is, that is something that has come up so often on dates because men like to talk about themselves. They, they don't have to coach themselves. They love to tell stories about themselves. And I think it's pretty common for a man to dominate a conversation. I mean, you have your passive men, you have your quiet men, but a lot of the times the men will sit there and tell story after story after story about themselves. And if you don't speak up, I mean, and that's, <laughs> to be honest, that's a red flag for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that if you are not interested in asking me questions or knowing about me, you're not actually interested in me. And so that mm -hmm. is probably not going to get a call back from me. <laughs> <laughs> but you do need to be comfortable in talking about yourself. And if you go home after a date and you have not told one story, don't call that person back. <laughs> they are not interested. They, they don't even want to get to know you. And that's part of the art of going on a date is volleying the ball back and forth. And when somebody wants to just take the mic and just sit here and sell themselves to, to whoever's listening, they want to be in a relationship with themselves. They don't want to be in a relationship with you. <laughs> or just in a relationship, yeah. They just want you to listen mm -hmm. to them and choose them. No, that is not what we're here for. Um, and which brings us to the next thing. So how do you feel about dating? That is a big one. Where are your fears? Where are your hesitations? This is a place where you're going to start to build your boundaries. I, before I went on my first date, I wrote down a list of rules <laughs> for myself. <laughs> like, um, it wasn't always about the guy. It was a list of rules. Like, I will not have an at-home date. For, we have to have out dates, outside dates, 10 times before I will go into a home. And, you know, because you always have like, oh, we'll just come over for dinner or we'll get takeout. Mm -mm, no, I'm looking for a very particular kind of person and that won't scare them away. I, I mean, I had a whole list of things. And sometimes I look back at it and laugh now. I've tweaked it. I've made it worse. I'm more detailed about it now. And I think every time you go on a date, you learn a little bit more about yourself and about what you're not willing to compromise, about what you really want. Um, mm -hmm. But learning about how or thinking about how you feel about the whole dating process is something I think that it's good just to own it. It is nerve wracking. It is learning. Meeting someone new is nerve wracking because you know, you're being evaluated, but you're evaluating too. And that's really important that you remember you're not the only one evaluating here. 
you are also out there to choose, not be chosen. And that's a really yeah. important thing for women is to understand that you are actually the one doing the choosing. Men would, men's idea of a woman is so much broader than a woman's idea of a man. And I think that there's science behind that and I'll find it <laughs> and I'll make that available. There's actually science behind this. There's been some social experiments where men have been asked about dating and about uh, going home with a woman or, you know, would you commit to go home with a woman having not met her? It was somewhere upwards towards 80% of men would commit to going home with a woman having never seen her or met her. Wow. Zero percent <laughs> of women said they would do that. Zero. That's, <laughs> That's a big quite a social difference. cue. Mm -hmm. Women are the choosers. Really. Honestly, you are the, you're going to go out and have the array of the smorgasbord of all you can eat and you get to choose. You're not there to be chosen. <laughs> As you're talking about that, it makes me think of like birds. You know how the, the male bird will be so pretty and he'll just strut around. And then the female bird is really the, he's just trying to look good. So one of the females will choose him. That's exactly <laughs> so, right. I don't know why that just came to my mind. Not that all animal analogies work, but it made me just think, of, you know, they, they want to look the the brightest and the fluffiest and the biggest and the best. So that kind of the, the plain looking females will choose them. The animal kingdom can teach us a lot because most <laughs> men that have been surveyed about how they feel about women and their hair and their makeup and their dress and stuff, they really do not value that as highly as we value that. And we, you know, I'll spend some time on my face before I go on a date. Men don't appreciate the hour I spent painting my face. They really don't. <laughs> I think I could literally show. I, I have been in scenarios where, um, you know, I'll be like in my work, my yard work kind of gear. No makeup, hat, hair is in a ponytail. I've been sweating all day. I've got my chicken rubber boots on and I, I my, you know, workout, uh, not my workout, but my yard work clothes, which are horrible looking, they're all stained and baggy and gnarly. And then I'll end up having to go to Home Depot or something. Can I tell you how many times I've been hit on in Home Depot looking like that? <laughs> it's almost offensive. Do you know how much time and effort I put in to looking so pretty? And that will get me nothing. I can't tell you how many times I've spent out with my friends, you never get approached when you look polished. I don't. I never get approached when I look polished. It's always when I'm in Home Depot looking like a, you know, a yard ape. You know? <laughs> okay, ladies, the last one is the hardest one for us. This is the question you need to pose to yourself before you start dating. What do you want? Yeah, you felt the weight of that, didn't you? Because what we want is not always super crystal clear. And sometimes when we really don't know what we want, we let that blank slate paralyze us from taking any action. But the truth is just touching base with yourself often about what do you want and pivoting and changing and getting in touch with yourself again. That's the best part about thinking about what you want, whether it's dating or career or uh, interior design. What do you want? It's the fun part of life. And I don't think it should stop you from getting in the dating scene. I just think you need to take a temperature of what you want daily. And at the very least, by each date, thinking through how the date went, what you liked, what you didn't like, what is uncompromisable, what is compromisable. And those things are going to help you build those stronger boundaries and get you towards what you want, really what you want. Because just posing yourself, posing that question to yourself in that framework, it's going to make you eliminate some of the things that you really don't need to be justifying or tolerating, those characteristics that might be habitual from your past. We need to let those things go for the things that we actually want. You know, when Ruth was looking for Boaz, it was a matter of survival. survival. It wasn't just a mm -hmm. cultural thing. It wasn't just a lonely thing. It was kind of a matter of survival. In our culture, we've come a long way. Women are pretty independent yeah. now. 
but I think this is good is that in order to figure out so much of this stuff, you actually had to start dating. You didn't know it from the beginning. It was almost a process. Like we even talk about with business and a lot of things, we have to actually just do Jump it in, <laughs> in order to start learning and figuring things out. Yeah. If I could, if we had recorded this last January, I wouldn't have had a lot of boundaries set and I wouldn't have had a lot of, I mean, a lot of my own issues, my unresolved issues definitely surfaced as I was going on dates. And as you know, I realized that I was not very comfortable talking about myself, that was one thing that did come up for me. Getting comfortable, like trying to even figure out why do I have to be comfortable? Well, it is actually important. You have to own yourself. You have to love yourself. And it really just made me deal with some stuff. A lot of relationship stuff came to the surface. As much as you can think about how you feel about men or feel about your ex, there's still things that are going to come to the surface that you didn't deal with in that. So it's not a perfect process. You want to get the ball rolling in your head about these things and answer these questions or be able to think about them in some comfortable way and go back and revisit them often. Yeah, it's definitely a process. It's a process. Mm -hmm. One of the things one of my friends was talking about, and let me, I'd just like to know your thoughts, is she had talked about almost practice dating with like a friend. Not that they necessarily had a connection, but it was almost like, I just want to go out with someone and practice talking. <laughs> and like some of that stuff, like where it was a date, but not, with a lot of pressure, I guess, if that, you know, mm -hmm. want to put it that way. But almost like you're saying, in order to kind of learn how to date again, because it's been a while and it's changed mm -hmm. so much. Yeah, I would say even going out with another girl and practicing another mm -hmm. girl that you don't know well. Maybe you meet her somewhere, you know, and you know of each other, but don't know each other well. I did actually, I didn't do it with the purpose of practicing dating. But I do go out to, to lunch a lot with people that I meet on or cross paths on social media or friends of friends. And um, maybe we'll have a common thread like um, writing. So I went out with another Christian woman that liked writing. And we didn't know a lot about each other. It was a great place to practice it. And it was a little bit nerve-wracking, too. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a, it's not quite as nerve-wracking as going getting ready for a real date. But going out and meeting new people, even if it's just, you know, somebody in your community, nobody you're going to date, just maybe someone you're networking with. That is mm -hmm. a great way to practice. And when you go back home after that, to really think about it, go back through, analyze how it went. What would you do different? What felt good? What didn't feel, feel good? Uh, those feelings that you have, those physical feelings that you have when you meet somebody, those are the, those are the that's the gold. Don't dismiss them. Like when something mm -hmm. doesn't feel good, go back and think about that. I didn't feel good when I was talking about that story. Well, either you still have unresolved stuff about that story or maybe the way you told it, or maybe it wasn't a good audience to tell that story to. Maybe you should reserve that story and not tell it again, <laughs> whatever it is, but go back and think yeah. about it when feelings come up. But I love that idea about practicing. Let's do a quick recap on the six things that you can consider before you enter the dating scene. Number one, how do you feel about your ex? Number two, how often are you triggered to think about your ex or memories with your ex? Number three, what are your feelings about men? Number four, what are your feelings about yourself? Number five, what are your feelings about dating? And number six, what do you want? Before I started dating, I had in my head uh, one thing that I wouldn't compromise on, and it comes from a line from Pride and Prejudice. And uh, it's, I'll give you the scene. The this is towards the end of the movie. If you've watched, most people have watched the movie. Not everybody's read the book. But they get this scene right in the movies, um, both versions. And it is almost identical to the book. It is when Elizabeth Bennett is trying to talk her father into giving her hand and his permission to marry Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy being the love of her life. But it's so if you don't know the story, uh, a little backstory is it didn't start out with a beautiful friendship or even a like. They were opposed to each other. And then she grew to love him. And the whole story is about the tension between them. 
So she's trying to convince her dad. And Elizabeth is, I'm guaranteeing she's a seven on the Enneagram. (laughs) I identify with her. So I'm going to try to read this in my best British accent because it's a British literature. Um, And her father speaking here. Lizzie, said her father, I have given my consent. He is the kind of man, indeed, to whom I should never dare refuse anything which he condescended to ask. I now give it to you. If you are resolved on having him, but let me advise you to think better of it. I know your disposition, Lizzie. I know that you be neither happy nor respectable unless you truly esteemed your husband. Unless you looked up to him as a superior, your lively talents would place you in the greatest danger in an unequal marriage. You could scarcely escape discredit and misery. My child, let me not have the grief of seeing you unable to respect your partner in life. You know not what you are about. And I'll just reiterate that last line. My child, let me not have the grief of seeing you unable to respect your partner in life. Hmm. But until I find the Mm -hmm. man that I look up to and I can respect wholly, I'll stay single. I think that shows how much you value yourself. That's what I want to say. And your partner. Yeah. And I believe he exists. So I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise. I know that there are things every time I meet somebody new that I love and don't love. And it changes my lists. It changes my boundaries. I tweak and shift. And I know a little bit more about myself. And at the end, what I want is what I will get. I won't settle. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.